This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. In her electrifying, highly anticipated debut novel, Followers, journalist Megan Angelo imagines a world where our collective celebrity obsession and device-driven lifestyle almost gets the best of us. A surprisingly funny and uplifting story about a complicated female friendship that begins in a tiny Manhattan apartment in 2015. It spans decades and is profoundly affected by a catastrophic event that divides the novel's world into before and after. As it entertains, the book offers powerful and timely messages about friendship, privacy, fame, the future, and the role of technology plays in shaping all of this. Megan Angelo grew up in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, graduated from Villanova University. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Glamour and L, among other publications. Makes her home in Pennsylvania. And as I mentioned, this is her debut novel. Happy to have uh, Megan Angelo join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Megan, welcome to this program. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you for having me and for that nice introduction. So where did you get the idea for this story? So the book um, actually took root in a moment that doesn't really match up with its technological themes. I was actually writing in my journal one day, and I write in cursive. And I was thinking about my kids and my grandkids maybe coming upon this journal one day and reading it. And then I realized that they likely will not be able to read cursive, um, at least around me. It's not being taught in public schools anymore. And I kind of sat with that and thought, wow, it would be neat to write a novel that goes into the future, um, but that almost feels like a historical novel in reverse, where we're talking about robots and drones and technological stuff, but the real shifts that have an impact on the reader have more to do with those cultural things, those differences between generations. My guest is Megan Angelo. Her debut novel is Followers. Some things aren't meant to be shared. Yeah, you, you wrote this in a before and after kind of technique here. What was that like, and how did you do that? Well, it took a lot of plotting, for sure. Um, I marvel at writers who say they don't have to outline because my brain was certainly not big enough to hold this story um, in just one word document. So I was drawing up timelines and I, I sort of got the past and future dates nailed down using that cursive time frame and thinking like, okay, when could someone conceivably no longer be able to read cursive? I knew something in the book would hinge on that. And then I just kind of started to fill in the details by um, just kind of making my own prognostications about where phones were going, where what celebrity might look like in 2051. And I didn't do too much research because I found that it got me too into my journalist brain where I would want to make everything super accurate, include all the details. And so I sort of let my brain run wild and then did just enough Googling afterwards to make sure nothing seemed totally crazy. Yeah, let's talk about some of the characters here. Again, told from the alternating perspectives of Orla Cadden and Marlo. Orla is the before, Marlo is the after. So what are these characters like? So Orla is an aspiring writer, and she's, she's the one who is in her 20s in New York in 2015 and 2016. She wants to be an author, but she's stuck in a blogging job, and she tries to write after work, but she finds herself distracted by the dings of her phone and reality television, absolutely nothing autobiographical here, Steve. Um, that would not, I've, I've always been a model of focus and concentration. 
Um, so it was a lot of kind of my own experiences in my 20s that informed Orla. And when she meets a girl who really, really wants to be famous, she realizes that she has some power of her own, which is she can go to work and blog about this girl as if she is famous, and they can sort of team up to launch themselves into these glamorous, lucrative lives. And that's her new roommate, Floss. Yes, exactly. Floss is sort of um, an influencer wannabe, a Kim Kardashian kind of wannabe. She doesn't care how she gets famous. She just wants to be super, super famous, and she doesn't care who or what she mows down on her way to it. And then in the after, 35 years later, in a closed California village called Constellation, it's Marlo. Yes. Marlo is, sort of has the reverse journey from Orla and Floss because she's born famous. She is kind of like what would happen if Instagram became a town. She's on camera 24-7. The village is closed to the public, and it's absolutely beautiful um, visually. And she can hear her followers inside her head, giving her feedback all the time on everything from what she puts on in the morning to what she eats to the decisions she makes about who to marry and and when to have a baby. It's all sort of scripted by a network, and the storylines are chosen based on follower feedback. But it's her actual life. It's real. Chatting with Megan Angelo here on Speaking of Writers. Her debut novel is called followers in what way if any Megan is the book you wrote different from the book you set out to write oh my goodness well there was I mean there were many drafts of this book that just really sprawled like there are drafts that I refer to as the 11th grader on acid draft (laughs) because they just tumbled into all sorts of different things and I think that the problem was when I was writing early on because I was taking on the future, I felt a pressure to fill in everything. What did climate change look like? What did the areas of America outside Constellation and New York look like? Um, And I realized quickly that if I didn't stick to commenting on things that tied into the story and the themes of the book, that that the story was really going to get away from me. So the book is very different now from those early drafts that were just stuffed with too many details. Chatting with Megan Angelo here on Speaking of Writers. Her debut novel is Followers. I mentioned uh, in the introduction you've been a journalist. When did you first yes. know that you were a good writer, a storyteller? Uh, well, some days I still don't know, and I think that that's common among writers. But I have been trying to write my whole life, literally. I mean, I was that classic kid who, you know, is in front of the bookcase as soon as they're old enough to sit up. And um, as Orla does in the book, I had, you know, my parents' old typewriter in my room when I was young and would just pound out crazy stories on it. Always tragedies. I'm not sure why I was so dark and twisted as a little kid. But um, I don't, I, I mean, to get the confidence to feel like I could write a novel like this, that basically took 30 years. I think I you know, got into journalism because I knew I had some talent, but when you're in journalism, you have guidelines, you have formats, a story can only look so many different ways. It wasn't really me sitting down to a blank page and just filling what was in my head and hoping that it captivated people. So it felt like a huge risk for me to sit down and write this book. What was the feeling like when you completed this first novel? 
the feeling was, I mean, I was really emotional. It's a feeling of huge accomplishment, but you still don't know what's ahead. You still don't know how it will be received, you know, with publishers. And then if you're lucky enough to get published beyond by the public. And I think what kept me a little bit scared, even after I finished this novel, was the novel is not easy to fit into a genre. In fact, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it shelved in libraries as sci-fi. I've seen it shelved as utopia. I've seen it referred to as friendship fiction. And it is all of these things. So no one's doing anything wrong. It's just a little bit hard to pin down. And so I was nervous to see if people would enjoy that kind of mixing or if they would think it was just a big mess. As a writer, what's the best advice you've been given, Megan? Um, you know, it's not quite advice, but a moment that I always remember when I was young is that I had a teacher in high school. Her name was Tracy Houston, Miss Houston, we called her. And, you know, I went to a public high school, big school. She had a lot of kids to take care of, but she made sure to take me aside one day and say, you have a voice. It's not just that you can, you know, nail the five paragraph structure of a paper and you can get good grades. You have a voice and you should keep going. And really, I mean, the advice that every single writer needs is keep going no matter um, what else they're wrestling with. Are there specific authors you found particularly inspiring? Oh, yeah. I love so many authors. Anna Quinlan was my mm. hero growing up. And I think it makes a lot of sense now because I loved that I could read her in a newspaper column or a magazine column, and I could read her in a novel. And her voice was so clear and distinctive that I would have known it anywhere throughout all those forms. I always wanted to be someone like her. So, Megan Angelo, are you working on the sophomore novel? And if so, can you give us a sneak peek into what it's about? <laughs> the dreaded sophomore novel. Well, I am actually working on two novels right now. Um, I have sort of limited writing time during the day because I have a few little kids running around at home and I can't afford to get stuck. Um, so I sort of switch back and forth depending on what novel I hate the least that day. And um, both of them sort of have elements of technology, female relationships colliding with technology. One is grounded more in the history of the town where I live, which is an old Pennsylvania steel town. And it's sort of about a longstanding feud between two women who have lived there forever and then some of the younger women who have moved into the town. And the other one is about two high school friends who are now in their 30s and have had a lifelong sort of codependent relationship. And there's an incident in their past that actually centers on AOL Instant Messenger, if you can remember that. Oh, yes. Um, that has had, yeah, <laughs> it's had huge implications for their lives and um, it sort of surfaces in the book. But I've been working on that book while listening to a YouTube video that's just an hour-long soundtrack of the old AOL sound, which is <laughs> a real trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, the debut that's out now for Megan Angelo is called Followers. And you have a website, too, where uh, listeners can connect with you at uh, MeganAngelo.com. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much.